filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calajuri. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast. I'm really excited today. We have a fantastic guest for you guys today, Corey Grusden. Corey, how's it going, man? It's going. Fantastic. It's a Tuesday. Hey, man. For a Tuesday, it's pretty good, right? That's right. <laughs> right on, man. So, Corey, for people who don't know you, tell us a little about who you are, what you do. Sure. Uh, I've been a, I mean, I'm a programmer at, at heart. been uh, programming since I was eight years old, so it's been uh, quite a long time. Nice. And I now run a uh, software consultancy, our boutique agency, really, of uh, Ruby on Rails and iOS development. So, uh, you know, we work with startups, anybody that's got an idea and, and some money, and all the way up to you know, Fortune 500 companies nice. that need help with platforms. Very nice. Where are you based out of? We're actually 100% remote. Nice. So we're based, based out of the United States, um, but we do not have, you know, a specific office. Good for you. Right on. Just a quick plug for you. What's your website, man? Uh, Sofetch.io. S-O-F-E-T-C-H.io. So the reason why I got you on the show today is because we read a little book on Monday and I shared the analysis on Cut the Crap podcast. Built to Sell by John Werrilow. And I've heard from uh, one of your colleagues that you've read this book and that you love the book. True or not true? <laughs> Completely true. <laughs> right on, man. So we got somebody here who loves this book. I want to hear about it, man. So first off, tell me about your, your experiences with the book. What makes it so good for you? And then we'll delve deep into uh, some of the details of the book. Sure. I mean, I think initially I, I randomly came across the book on, on Amazon because uh, I was going on a big trip and wanted to, to read a couple of business books. And, uh, you know, when I say built to sell, everyone you know thinks that I'm talking about built to last by Jim Collins, right. which is completely not the right one. <laughs> so and I like randomly saw this book and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to buy this one and read it and see how it is. Nice. And, uh, you know, it was a short read. It was like four or five hours. Um, and it just made everything click, uh, you know, for, nice. for the past eight, nine years, I've been consulting, uh, for myself and, you know, having, you know, one or two people join me on projects. And I was always wondering why am I not, why is this, why am I not building a company? Why is this not working? Why is it not, uh, you know, always repetitive or why can't I, I repeat sales? Why can't I, um, be efficient when I onboard customers, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of people have those questions and That's a lot right. of people try, I mean, they just beat their head against the wall trying to figure it out or they don't have enough time to because they're working 80 plus hours a week trying to, you know, balance a family and, uh, you know, keep their, their three customers happy because mm -hmm. once those three or two customers go away as a consultant or a self, uh, you know, a freelancer, you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, and this book just made it all click. So you're saying that things clicked for you after you read the book. What's the top thing that you take away from the book? Again, in, in the podcast, we talk about golden nuggets. What's the number one golden nugget that you took away from the book that for you was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't do this before. You know, it's, there's so many golden nuggets in the book. But like you said, the number one that I took away was processes. Um, you know, coming up with those or at least looking at the business or the work that you do and breaking it down into chunks of work that you do over and over again and putting a process around it 
and refining that process to where now you know how long it takes to do that or execute that that pro- that unit of work. Mm. You know, as a freelancer or even a developer or designer, you know, I don't know if I speak for everybody, but the majority that I've met in the tech industry, they treat process as a dirty word. So it's it's kind of like you're fighting that and saying like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. But when you succumb to it and you're like, you know what? I do have, you know, a sales conversation. I do get on the phone with somebody initially to go over their project. I mm-hmm. do send them an estimate afterwards. I do set them up in Harvest or whatever time tracking or project tracking software, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> after reading the book, it, you know, I'm, I just sit, stood back and looked at what I did and I'm like, oh my God, you can, I cannot, I can't be replaced. It's me. Mm-hmm. Like I am the business. So uh, that's ultimately what the book te- teaches you. And, you know, I, I got the book not to sell, build and sell a company. I got it to build a company that could right be on. sold, which means when you build a company that can be sold, that business doesn't require you to be in every facet of it. And it can grow without you and grow organically in ways that you've never imagined. So what kind of processes or standard operating procedures did you create after reading the book that you felt were important to build? Sure. I think a really good example of a process, uh, you know, everybody who has ideas, uh, or excuse me, everybody wants like the million dollar idea or they, they want to come up with something that uh, they can build some software product or web property and turn it into a SaaS product. And, you know, they make monthly recurring revenue off of, right? Well, you have to have a problem to you know solve with that solution first. So the problem with a lot of people or a lot of startups I see, they don't they're not in the problem space. They try to come up with some solution to a problem they've never had, mm-hmm. uh, and those startups are the ones that usually fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by looking at you know our development process, so every day we have uh, you know we're, since we're remote, we all chat or we all have Slack. And then we have a chat room for each project. And then we have a, a, a higher level chat for, uh, you know, higher level standups. Nice. So, so every single day I'm typing out, you know, I'm going down the list of all the people in the channel and waiting for their, their response. Hey, what did you do yesterday since la- yesterday's meeting? Mm-hmm. Or what did you accomplish since yesterday's meeting? What are you going to accomplish from now until tomorrow? And then any, any problems. And after doing that for two weeks and then putting a report together, going in and copying, pasting the lines from Slack into a, a word form. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are we, this, this is too manual. Let's just build something. So we ended up building an open source project, uh, a stand-up bot basically mm-hmm. that integrates with Slack. And now I've offloaded those questions. And now at least the questions are being asked to everybody in the room at the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the beautiful part about that process is, you know, because it was on paper or, you know, we took it, uh, we iterated on that process, made it a little more efficient by creating a piece of code. Uh, then I started seeing, oh, well, I need a report. And then we put reports into it. Well, fast forward, now that actually has a product and we have some very large companies that are paying us for that product. So we took a business process that we had, that we created a process around, made it more efficient, and then eventually we were able to take that process and sell it to other companies that have the same nice. problem. Nice. Well done. So, you know we have now that's another stream of revenue right Mm -hmm. and now we have so many more processes that we that internally that we've got on paper that if we keep iterating on them we'll be able to take those and sell each one of those little ones 
to more companies. Do you find that by creating the processes, it creates greater efficiency and less mistakes? And the reason why I ask that is it's an old quote by Dr. Edward Deming where he says 96% of the problems that occur in an organization are due to a lack of a system. 4% is due to the person. So by creating processes in your organization, have you realized that some people have been able to make less mistakes, that they're more on point? How have you found that in your organization by creating more processes? Yes, completely. By creating, uh, you know, people are able to produce less errors, like you said, and I agree with that statement. It definitely helps the repeatability and then no balls will get dropped uh, or very few, uh, which is nice. And then what it allows you to do, too, is here's a here's a map. So when co- someone new comes into the organization, you can say here, this is roughly the guideline of, you know, this is roughly how you do this unit of work or how you get that thing done. And it provides a good base for people to build off of and, you know, t- take, take it and run with it. Nice. Uh, and then you can trust that, you know, they're not going to uh, do it completely wrong. They're going to be, you can trust the fact that they're going to improve what's already there more often than not. So it gives everyone a sense of uh, ownership and, uh, and go that route. That's a key takeaway. That's a key takeaway that I think is really important. Again, it's about empowering people and trusting people, but you got to put the process in their hands. You got to let them take the process and run with it and give them that freedom. Otherwise, it's, you know, you're going to have to be sitting there, you know, sort of not micromanaging, but you're going to have to manage their time more effectively. But if you have the process in place, let them follow the process and do what they have to do. I think that's great. So process is a big takeaway for you in terms of, you know, one of the takeaways from built to sell. And as you've you know already noted, it's not so much about built to sell and that you were really reading this book to help build your business. So what are the type of takeaways did you take away from built to sell that helped you build and start growing your company? Uh, I think another, uh, one of the takeaways was just if you're on this path and you need to uh, slim down as a service-based company, slim down your offerings. Mm. Uh, Cause I think the easy, the trap that everyone falls into which is what I fell into, and I hear it over and over again is, you know, I'm a freelancer or I'm starting to build this business and I need to take on every single dollar, you know, project that comes in when in all actuality you should not. That to me is one of the biggest takeaways from this book for me personally because there's so many different entrepreneurs out there or different organizations of varying size, um, especially in small companies where they just want to take on all kinds of work. And I'll tell you, man, it's not easy turning away work. So what I'm interested in and what I think a lot of people are interested in is how did you come to that realization and what the hell did you do to cut off doing everything and taking in all kinds of work? Because like you said, it's tough. You know, we have mortgage payments. We have kids that we got to pay for and and all this other stuff. So it's really tough to turn away work. How'd you do it, man? Give us some details into that. Uh, You know, it it was difficult. You know, you you have to trust yourself, and you have to trust what you're doing and what you're building. I mean, it's to to make an example. It would be, uh, you know, say that, um, you know, we were only we're, we're only doing Ruby on Rails and iOS development. Mm-hmm. We do not uh, take on you know Android apps because that's not part of our core competency. However, um, you know, most people would say, you know what, I can I can write it in iOS and then. Uh, transfer it to Android or use PhoneGap or some, something that you, know, you can write in and, and, and move it over to Android as an example. Mm-hmm. But our business is like, you know, we're trying to build iOS or focus on building iOS apps and Ruby on Rails platforms. If we focus on trying to do Android apps, 
which is outside of our core competency mm -hmm. of experience, that means we're going to be chasing a shiny object. That's right. And now we've just lost, or we're going to be working on some project that we're going to have to keep continually picking up the ball and tossing it a little bit farther just to see if we can, you know, get a little bit more uh, ahead of ourselves. Versus stay in your core competency, work on, you know, say okay, say no to the Android app and say we, we only build an iOS, refer it out, you know, mm -hmm. call somebody that does Android and say, hey, you know what, we got this project. There you go. That's what business Absolutely. partnerships are for. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, man, here's the thing. If you don't do that, if you don't do that, then you might not bring the same type of quality to your work and you might not be referable or you might not get that reference if you just take on all kinds of work. And I've seen entrepreneurs do this all the time. They want to capture the dollar. It's important to make money. I understand that. But at the same time, what's the quality of product that you're putting out there? What is the brand that you're building for yourself? You know, at the very top of the episode, you were talking about um, people confuse built to sell with built to last. Uh, another Jim Collins book, uh, Good to Great. In Good to Great, he talks about the idea of the hedgehog concept, which has become really great at one thing. Don't be like that cunning fox that takes on all different types of strategies and it does a million different things to try to get that hedgehog. But man, that hedgehog, baby, it does one thing really well. It curls up really nicely and it protects itself. And because of that, the hedgehog lives on. That's essentially the hedgehog concept in this example right here. It's Pick a niche and you get rich, baby. That's exactly how it is. And for you guys, obviously, it's Ruby on Rails and iOS. And to me, I think that's um, it's an incredibly strategic move. But strategic moves aren't always the easiest moves. So do you have any advice for anybody out there who's in that sort of realm right now where they have a lot of things, they have a lot of service offerings, a lot of different products? What's your advice to them? Literally take out a pencil and paper and write down what you're doing every single day or as you do it so you can visualize and see. Uh, the problem that people and myself uh, get into is you, you're always thinking, right? Uh, Peter Drucker uh, dubbed us the, the thought, work, thought workers age or age of thought workers. Mm -hmm. So we're always in our head. Uh, you really can't see any improvement or you cannot see where you're hemorrhaging time and effort unless you get it out of your head and down into something you can see. Um, so taking a step back and you know, really looking at what you're offering and what you're doing every day and what you want to be doing and seeing if there's an intersection there mm -hmm. uh, and try to trim down the things you know, as, as early as tomorrow. You, know, you have the power if you're in the position that I was in uh, you know, as a freelancer, et cetera. You can change your, what you're doing tomorrow for the better uh, and really trim down what you're, you're, you're focused on. And when you trim down, your conversation becomes a lot easier when you're talking to people that potentially will hire you for, for whatever, whatever it is you're doing, right? Now that I uh, like. The conversation piece is what I like because it's going to help simplify your marketing. It's going to help simplify your selling. It's going to help simplify your value proposition to the marketplace. It's going to help you simplify how you communicate on your website, for crying out loud. It's really difficult when you say, you know, you're a jack of all trades. You have so many different things that you guys do, but it's so much easier, so much easier when you can go, again, a mile deep and an inch wide in a specific area, in a specific industry. 
And by doing that, you guys can take on similar types of work. You guys can create processes for how you do uh, or how you build iOS apps, how you innovate within iOS. It just allows you to go much deeper in that area. Your mind is completely fixated on that. So for anybody out there who's listening, and I know there's people out there listening right now who are in companies who have multiple service areas, multiple products, they're small companies and it's tough to support them. You know what? The one thing that I'll say as well too is look at what's making you the most, most revenue right now. Cut the fat on the things that aren't making you the most revenue, things that aren't fun to do, um, types of work that you don't enjoy. Um, maybe the trend is pointing down on these things. Maybe it's really tough to get work in certain areas. Go in the direction of the opportunity opportunities that are most uh, prevalent in the marketplace. I think for yourself, um, you know, uh, I don't know what you did before. Actually, what did you do before beyond uh, just iOS and Ruby on Rails? What were the other service offerings you provided? Just curious. Oh, we were doing, uh, you know, coaching, anything. I mean, if somebody called us and they had a problem, yeah, of course we'd do that. <laughs> nice. Hey, I got this clogged toilet, Corey. You know what, man? Can you come on down and take a look? Of course I can. <laughs> Jack of all trades, baby. Hey, put that on our website, Plumber Now. It <laughs> <laughs> was not below us. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. No, I think that's a great takeaway, Corey. No, it's it's all, it makes me happy. It really does. And no, no matter how corny, uh, corny that sounds, uh, it does make me happy to hear that entrepreneurs uh, such as yourself have gone on and actually made that decision because it's not an easy decision to make. It's just not. Um, but I'll tell you right now, in the long run, it's the best decision. And I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs and how many CEOs I've talked to and coached and said, you know what? Let your uh, let your thoroughbred run and let all the uh, sort of the dying ones sort of go off and and you got to cut that fat away and they have a really tough time disconnecting themselves from those service areas and as a result of that it, it bleeds them dry I mean the margins are terrible they put so much more time and energy into things that are dying when they could be putting more time and energy into things that excite them and the things that that the marketplace is excited about so um, it's really really good to hear that you've done that my friend it's really good. What's one more thing you took away from the book that you used in your business or something that was insightful that you didn't think about before? You know, kind of getting back to a question you asked me earlier uh, about people following those processes. Are they becoming more efficient? Are they, are they not, you know, dropping the ball on, on certain tasks within that, that unit of work or that process? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, once you have these things in place, another takeaway from the book was, you know, he had to let go one of the designers oh. um, and... So it becomes very easy. Like here is what, here are some gui rough guidelines of how you get this done or the, this this series of work done, and people that can't even follow that uh, and then complain or something like that. Mm. It's a very clear yes or no. Should they stay with us or not? Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it you know people managing people is extremely extremely hard. It was a rude awakening you know, a completely new realm of, of emotions and, and work, et cetera. And to, to let someone go is, is extremely taxing emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, no one wants to fire anybody um, or let someone go. But this makes it a lot easier on you uh, simply because it's like here, the, the vision of the company is, you know, this. Mm -hmm. The vision of the company is to build uh, uh, all the world's software in Ruby on Rails and iOS, right? Mm -hmm. Or all the software written in Ruby on Rails and iOS. Um, or, or government systems, something specific. Here are the, the processes to get there that we're building that, we, that will allow us to scale and be efficient and repeatable mm -hmm. in all the work that we do. If someone's not following that, then it's a very clear-cut answer of, 
instead of like, oh my god, I can't let that person go. I'm going to feel bad too. It, they're just not following basic guidelines mm-hmm. on what we're all trying to accomplish. And I'm just going to have to let you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know what? It, it makes it much easier. Like you said, it makes it easier on you to make a decision. We have systems. Correct. We have processes in place to ensure that this organization is running efficiently. And if you don't follow that process, then you're contributing to the problem. And it's difficult to manage a business if you are working against the processes that we've put in place to uh, ensure that our business, our business is, is as successful as it possibly can be. So there's a good tidbit, a piece of advice for listeners out there is, you know, use your processes, put your systems in place and ensure your employees are following it. And those employees that aren't following your process, those who are not walking in the same direction as you are, then maybe they shouldn't be there. But first and foremost, you have to have those processes in place. So I got to ask you, Corey, when you put your processes in place, did you ever have anybody who didn't fall in line with your processes and did you have to take action on that? Yes, and it wasn't immediate. Uh, You know, the other thing I learned uh, just through taking the concepts from the book and putting them into practice, uh, you know, people are going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Of course. Um, So it's okay, you know, you just really have to get, you have to figure out your threshold. How many times are you going to tell someone, you know, follow the you know follow these basic guidelines at the very least mm-hmm. if it's one time then that second time you know you know what you need to do the decision is easy and you know i say this not to say like oh in a funny way or like a, a happy way of like oh yeah just fire him it means nothing mm-hmm. well no that's still a very it's a hard it's a emotional decision and it's a very big decision it just helps you make that decision without the emotions there so you can make it and move on um and you know, referencing what you said, what is it, good to great or built to last? Jim Collins, one of, one of his books, I can't remember which one of those two, where he's like, you know, have the right people on the bus. Mm-hmm. Well, this is this is a one of the tools that you can use, you know, uh, you know, following a process or guidelines, uh, a rough set of guidelines of who's on or who's off the bus, right? Wow, or who or who needs to be on it, who's off of it, or who needs to be off of it. So, uh, you know, that's a question mark. It's like, oh, well, how do you know? Well, this is one of many ways that you can figure that out. That's beautiful. Corey Grusden, my friend, this was fantastic. You know, it's a pleasure actually speaking with you and finally getting a chance to uh, to talk about this book with you. And uh, you know what, your takeaways for me and, uh, you know, for a lot of listeners out there, um, you know, very valuable, very insightful. And I really do appreciate you making the time to uh, come and speak with us today. So just for anybody who wants to get in touch with you, how do they reach out to you, man? Uh, I mean, the easiest is going to be uh, you know, Twitter, uh, C. Gresden. Uh, also, my email, Corey at SoFetch.io. Uh, or you can you can go straight to the site and set up an appointment or phone call, and I'll probably be on it if you want to talk to me. Fantastic. <laughs> Hear my yeah. voice. Yeah, right on, man. I'll make sure I get those uh, your contact in the show notes, that if anyone wants to contact you, they can go ahead and do that. My friend, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insights from uh, Built to Last. Or wait, not Built to Last. Built to Built Sell. Built to Sell. <laughs> Built to sell. <laughs> Son of a God. See? <laughs> Always get him confused. Right on, man. Thanks so much. Definitely. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah.